to the Business Power Hour hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them all of the tools and resources that are available to help them and their businesses be successful. And today we're going to talk about something that is absolutely critical for every business. And I don't care if it's, you know, somebody running a business out of their, their spare bedroom or their kitchen table, all the way up to big businesses, and that's finance. It's also something that so many people overlook and they don't know exactly what they're doing. They get confused. They get taken advantage of. And, you know, there's a reason why half of all small businesses fail in the first year. And most of the time it's because of financial difficulties. So please join me in welcoming a true expert. And I say that not in air quotes. I say that as bold, all caps, expert, Jordan Goodman to our program. Great to be with you, Deb. Great, great. Well, let me tell folks just a little bit about you. Um, So Jordan Goodman is America's Money Answers Man and a nationally recognized expert on personal finance. He's a regular guest on numerous radio and television call-in shows across the country, answering questions on personal financial topics. He appears frequently on The View, Fox News Network, Fox Business Network, CNN, CNBC, and CBS Evening News. For 18 years, Jordan was on the editorial staff of Money Magazine, where he served as the Wall Street correspondent. While at Money, he reported and wrote on virtually every aspect of personal finance. In addition, he served as the weekly financial analyst on NBC News at Sunrise for nine years and the daily business news commentator on Mutual Broadcasting Systems America in the Morning Show for eight years. He is the author or co-author of 14 best-selling books on personal finance, including Master Your Debt, Fast Profits in Hard Times, Everyone's Money Book, Master Your Money Type, Barron's Dictionary on Finance and Investment Terms, and Barron's Finance and Investment Handbook. He has also written six special focus editions of Everyone's Money Book on college credit, uh, college, credit, financial planning, real estate, retirement planning and stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. Jordan is also a speaker and seminar leader on personal finance topics for business executives, students, association, investment clubs, employees, and other people. Whew. So again, welcome, Jordan. Great to be with you, Deb. You went on too long, but there it all is. Everything you said was accurate. Well, and I wanted people to know that you truly are an expert because we have people who, you know, it's pretty easy to say you're an expert. In fact, people do it all the time. They just say, oh, hi, I'm an expert. And they know just enough to be dangerous. Um, It's funny, you know, we're, we're of that age where we can remember the television program where he said, you know, he's not a doctor, but he played one on TV. Um, you know, and, and so it is easy for somebody to say that they are a financial expert, but you truly are. And that was why I wanted people to to know. I enjoyed being with you. I mean, I'm not only talking about these things, writing about these things, broadcasting about these things, but I'm doing these Mm -hmm. things as well. Right. I I, I always say I'm a kind of a journalist slash entrepreneur because I have... Mm -hmm business relationships too and I'm doing journalism as a business so I'm talking about it and doing it at the same time and just to warn people up front I'm going to talk about strategies but after each strategy I'm going to give you a specific website or place to go to implement that strategy so I'm not just right. about giving general advice but I want people to implement it 
really mm-hmm. help improve their businesses. Right. You know, and especially for a, a startup business, whether you're an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a, you know, a, a true small business, finances, we don't always plan for. You know, how many times do we use the credit card? Or we might do a line of credit or something like that, but people really don't stop to think how they should plan for, you know, plan out their finances as a small business. So say, you know, okay, I'm, I'm Miss Small Business Owner, mm-hmm. and I come to you and I say, Jordan, what do I do? You know, what, what where should happens, even start? Yeah, what typically happens is people are enthusiastic about the idea of the business and doing mm-hmm. the thing, creating widgets. I've got the greatest widget in the world. Widgets, but now service, what? whatever. They're into the thing or, or whatever it is, but not the structure and right. how the business part is going to be run. So it could be a great idea, but you've got to have a business structure that supports it to make it successful. And that's why so many businesses fail, because they're not set up right in the first place. They don't have the financing in in line. They haven't got a credit report. They just haven't set up. So one of the very first things you should do is to figure out what legal structure you want to create. Uh, Because what I always say, when you start a business, you want to set it up so it's easy to sell later. It could be five years could be 50 years, but you want it set mm-hmm. up in the right place so there's a structure that can be sold. So, for example, there are different choices. Most people start as a sole proprietorship. They should okay. be running it out of their checkbook. That's probably mm-hmm. the worst thing you can do because there's no right. business separation from your personal life. Mm-hmm. There's a subchapter S corporation where there is some separation, but it's a flow-through vehicle. All of your uh, information and tax uh, income one way or the other goes through the subchapter S through to your personal return. There's mm-hmm. a subchapter C corporation, which is a, a kind of a more of a corporate structure, which is kind of completely separate from your individual finances. There's mm-hmm. a limited liability corporation, uh, and then there's um, which is an LLC, which has certain kind of asset protection. And then mm-hmm. there are limited partnerships and even family limited partnerships. There's a lot of pros and cons of all the different kinds here, um, and depending on your circumstance, one might be more appropriate for other. Both for tax purposes, for being able to sell it in the long run, for mm-hmm. being able to take in investors, because sometimes you need investors, sometimes you don't want investors, mm-hmm. um, and uh, asset protection, which is very important too. And if you get right. sued, you want to have protection against losing all your assets. Uh, so if you have it, for example, an LLC, particularly in Nevada, it can be a very advantageous way to protect yourself against kind of frivolous lawsuits. Let me give you a website right now that can help people go through this whole process and figure out what's best. It's called businessanswerstoday.com. And they've got a phone number too, 877-627-5555. And what they do is they help you figure out, either as a startup or somebody who's already going to some extent, what the Mm -hmm. best corporate structure is. They happen to be based in Nevada. It's a company called Nevada Corporate Planners. And the reason for that is there's all kinds of advantageous rules to setting up a company based in Nevada, even mm-hmm. though your operations may be in Florida or North Carolina or anywhere right. else, you can still have a, a company based in Nevada, and mm-hmm. all, particularly for asset protection, and also there's no corporate income tax there as well. Mm-hmm. So that's something just to start off, before you've sold a single widget, just set yourself up in a good structure that allows mm-hmm. things to go easier going forward. Right. Well, and it gets tricky because every state is a little bit different. And, you know, plus you have to really think about what you're going to do. You know, for example, when I first started my company, my my actual company is Wise Women Communications, and it is a a limited liability corporation. 
I was originally incorporated in Colorado, but several people said, oh, you need to set it up this certain way so that you could be a woman owned business. Yes. Um, so there's minority, there's women owned, there's FBA all those reasons. And so yes. Right. And then it gets real tricky because some states allow you to self certify. So I can just say, oh, yeah, I'm the only owner and I'm a woman. Other states make you go through a program, say, by a chamber of commerce, or other states, you know, get, get even more complicated. But it, it really does help to set it up initially rather than to go back and go, oh, well, hey, so what, yeah. am I a woman owned business? Right. Oh. So what most people do, Deb, is they start the business. As a sole proprietorship, in fact, running it out of their personal checkbook. Right. And then once it's successful, then they convert it to a subchapter S or LLC. Mm -hmm. That is asking for trouble. Okay. Right. It's, so what? You what yourself you money for your, your personal credit cards and how you pay it back. Okay. You're asking for a lot of legal tax and other kinds of trouble. So if, mm -hmm. if you can, if you think this is really a serious business, and that's what we're talking about, not a hobby, but a right. serious business, the IRS says you have to have the intent. To earn a profit, you don't have to earn a profit. You have to show right. serious intent. Then mm -hmm. probably set it up as either subchapter S, LLC, something like that. So again, right. that website can help you with this whole process. Businessanswerstoday.com. The guy who runs that said he's like the McDonald's for small businesses. They don't teach you how to set up a small business. He's helped thousands of small businesses figure this thing mm -hmm. out for their their own benefit. Right. You know, and and it's funny. One of the best pieces of advice that I got when I was starting out, you know. They, I was told, you know, set it up as a business, but they also told me, choose my bank account as a different bank, you know, not branch, a, a totally yeah. different bank than what my personal accounts were. Keep it all separate. Be I agree. Yeah. You know, and, and it was so, that way it it was much more difficult to, to intermingle them. I mean, you know, there are certainly ways to do that, but, but yeah, so, you know, my, my business account is in a totally different institution financial institution than our personal so this stuff. is what I do all the time. So, for example, I have a company. My company is called Amherst Enterprises, LLC. I mm -hmm. went to Amherst College, so I named it after my college. Ah, mm -hmm. And I take income into Amherst, and then I pay salaries to myself personally from right. Amherst. And when I do that, mm -hmm. I withhold uh, federal, state, Social Security, Medicare, all that kind of thing. It's very clean. At mm -hmm. the end of the year, there are no surprises and all that. And you know exactly how much you pay to do quarterly filings, it just makes much, much, much simpler. You have to get a taxpayer ID for right. that small business. In my case, I do a subchapter S. But mm -hmm. whatever it is, right. if you want to start a business, <laughs> that's the first thing. Just mm -hmm. set yourself up right to succeed. Well, first. And, and the nice thing is you can do it all online. Right. You know, to get your tax ID, it's immediate. You know, and that's that's a pretty cool feature. Right. And and again, you want that as opposed to your own individual social security number. Right. You know, make it clean, folks. And also, it, as far as creating credit. You want the credit, mm -hmm. business credit to be formed right. under that uh, subchapter S or whatever mm -hmm. in the taxpayer ID number, not your personal, because then your, your business credit is all mixed up with your personal credit score, which is really a mess. So don't do that, which a lot of people right. do. Mm -hmm. Well, and it is easier, obviously, to do it at the start. But as you mentioned, to keep things separate, you know, so once you start hiring employees, you know, they don't want paid out of your personal checking right. account. Aside from anything else, who's going to trust that? You know, maybe my check's going to bounce. There's a lot of taxes. Mm -hmm. You can deduct things as a business. Right. You can as an individual. Perfect with legitimate right. expenses, um, mm -hmm. whether it be advertising or marketing or phone bill or all those kind of things. Just keep mm -hmm. it completely separate and you get – I mean, the, the U.S. government has set it up to give tax breaks to business and particularly small business. Right. Um, and a lot right. of people don't realize that. And 
by doing it through your personal, it's it's very complicated to try to be uh, mm -hmm. deducting things off your personal returns and so on. So take advantage of all the deductions that are out there. In fact, we have now President Trump, and we're going to have a lot more deductions. He's really going to encourage right. mm -hmm. small business. So even though, I mean, just to give you one example, I think we're going to be able to expense uh, investments immediately as opposed to having oh. to depreciate them over mm -hmm. time. There's going to be cool. many, many more. But mm -hmm. the government is encouraging small businesses to set up and you give them all these tax breaks you do not get as an individual. So this is a classic right. case where you want to take full advantage of that. Mm -hmm. Well, and if you have a good CPA, they're going to help you through that process. Right. You know, things like mileage, you know, you can deduct your mileage and, you know, anymore it's very easy i mean there's apps that can do that you know i use mapquest you know that way i get because i get lost and so i figure okay i'm just going to use mapquest to to tell me and because i've been consistent with it if i ever get audited i can say here is how i have always tracked my mileage as long as it's for legitimate um, business purposes right. then i can question yeah. you and you just have to write up and you can do meals and entertainment as mm -hmm. long as you discuss business in some serious way uh, you can right. do yeah. go to a sports it can't game. be you went to lunch with your buddy right. as long as you uh, document it you're in good shape. So that, mm -hmm. as the basic, let's get started there. Now, right. if you want, I'm going to give you the key word to success in business. There's one word. Okay. Remember in the graduate, it was plastics, you know? Mm -hmm. No. Today, the word is leverage. And by leverage, ah. I do not mean debt. What I mean mm -hmm. by leverage is leveraging other people's money, time, expertise, connections to benefit you. And you, what you offer benefits them. And the two okay. of you combined can create a lot more growth and success than you can as an individual. You may be a wonderful okay. individual, but you only have 24 hours a day and maybe even sleep a little bit. So you have whatever, 18 hours mm -hmm. a day to do things, less than that. And you only have so much time and money and attention. But if you leverage other people's ideas and expertise, that could be vendors, it can be customers, uh, it can be banks, then you can grow dramatically. I mean, a simple example would be, Bill Gates had great ideas. He was a great software writer, but he did not build Microsoft on his own. Okay, He leveraged right. other people's expertise and knowledge and so on to make an enormous company that was way, way beyond what he could ever do individually. That's kind of a dramatic mm -hmm. example of that. Right. Well, and for some people, it might be mastermind groups. It might be power partners. Sure. You know, all of these various things. And, and again, it is, you know, things like banks and, and institutions like that also. It is. Banks is for financial uh, you know, backing. Uh, vendors, in many cases, vendors will give you credit when you're starting off in a way that you don't realize. They can be kind of, because if they see you as somebody that's going to grow and, you know, you're their customer, you know, they're willing to take a risk on you to some extent. So mm -hmm. vendors can be. Uh, affiliates in the whole online world, uh, affiliate marketing is what makes sense. Is, uh, I mean, in, in your case, you can tell people about other good products and services and right. if people go there and use those products and services, you get some money. You're not mm -hmm. doing that product or service, but you're telling people about it, and therefore you benefit. They get customers they wouldn't get otherwise. The, mm -hmm. the people you refer to them get good service, so it's a win-win all the way around. So that a lot of people think, I've got to do it all myself, and that is mm -hmm. a way to lose a business because you can only do so much yourself, as wonderful as you may be, leverage other people's expertise, time, money, and connections is a big thing, too. You, you know, you don't know everybody, but you can get to people who are going to be help you with your business through the connections of others. So you just kind of create mm -hmm. this web of con connections and relationships, and it's just amazing. And I mean, this is what I've done for 35 years. I mean, through my time at Money Magazine right. and all these places, I've got a 
a database of something like eight thousand people in my, my list, mm-hmm. and the, you know, I, and and just give, give, give. I'll mm-hmm. connect people to each other, from which I get nothing, and I just try right. to help them. And I say, well, this guy can really help this guy, and just put them together, and good things happen, and and good karma happens, and who knows? Three years later, they come back, and I help them with this, and. You just kind of help people and, and just amazingly good things happen. Don't kind of hold on very tightly to your own knowledge and your own, uh, you know, just limits what you can do as opposed to just right. giving. Right. You know, and, and of course, I'm, I'm very big on social media and making connections that way and, and not limiting. You know, I have so many business people that say, well, I'm not going to connect with people who aren't going to buy from me. Yeah. Well, you know, Respect. maybe... Yeah, maybe Bob's not going to buy from me, but how about Bob's wife or, you know, Bob's sister? Or maybe Bob changes, you know, jobs. Right. And, and, and you know, person, so you never want to limit yourself. Each person, think of not as a person, but as a connector to many, many other people. Right. And that person might not directly benefit you as a vendor, as a customer or a supplier, whatever it may be. But they may know people who will buy your products and so on. So mm-hmm. the nicer you are, the friendlier you are, the more connections you make. Amazingly good things happen. And I mean, this, I'll mm-hmm. just give you an example. It just happened to me uh, last month, actually. Uh, I used to work with a company called Financial Destination Inc., FDI, for about five mm-hmm. years, from 2007 to 2012. I helped them get taken over, actually, at the end. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people from FDI uh, were still hanging around. One guy from there called me and said, There's this new company called MWR Life, Make Wealth Real uh, Life. Mm-hmm. That's uh, been going for about three years, doing something very similar to, uh, you know, what FDI did. You know, want to mm-hmm. join? The next week, I was down there. I met him. I've got this huge contract. I'm going to be helping him with all kinds of financial education videos and webinars and just all kinds of resources. That just happened because of a contact I had with this guy that I hadn't talked to in five years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that just right. happened to me a month ago. You never know. And, you know, and, and that is the thing to keep in mind is, is you really don't know. And of course my, you know, I mentioned the fact that my big thing is social media. That's why you also have to be very careful with what you're posting online. Um, You know, we, we are, you know, we're, we're a quarter of the way into the year. You know, it's stop posting about you're not happy with the election (laughs) or, you know, all those various things. Yeah. You know, like it or not, things things are the way they're going to be. Um, You know, I'm I'm a huge college sports fan. Am I going to post about that? Yes. But am I going to say bad things about other teams? No. No. You know, you never know. Once you put negative stuff, it never goes away. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. You know, and and so you just always have to watch that because probably – I'm going to go out on a limb here, but to me, one of your biggest resources and assets is your personal reputation. Absolutely. You know, I say it builds up slowly, it. but you can mm-hmm. ruin it quickly. Right, right. You know, and it might take years, but yeah, one bad Facebook post, one bad, you know, meeting where, you know, you say something inappropriate, all those various right. things. And, you know, it can take forever then to get that and, fixed. And, the new and world sometimes now, it doesn't get fixed. The new world now is because it's, so quick, you know, through Twitter, uh, right. you know, it, it, it's instant. You have this huge network mm-hmm. of people and good or bad stuff spreads really fast. Everybody talks about yep. things going viral and mm-hmm. that's relationships go viral positively mm-hmm. or negatively. So right. you want it to be positive. And unfortunately, people like to share negative far more than they like that's to share true. positive. That's true. But I, I've always, I mean, I've been out there for a long time and mm-hmm. have a lot of positive. I like to create positive karma, both in person right. and online, I guess you might mm-hmm. say. 
I, I want to talk briefly again about financing because you know we talked about yes. Well, let's not talk brief. We want more than brief on financing. So this is a big area for a lot of people. Um, it's really hard for small businesses uh, to get financed these days, right. either startup or even once they're going uh, to some extent. Uh, mm -hmm. The Dodd Frank Law, which came in after the financial crash of two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Mm -hmm. made very, very strict limits on banks, uh, and they have to prove every which way from Sunday that there's no way you could ever default on this loan. <laughs> okay. So that, well, that's nice for them, but how about out here in the real world, right. it makes it really, really hard for small businesses to get loans. Not only hard, but time-consuming. It could take you right. six months to nine months to go through all the paperwork and prove mm -hmm. everything and your and by then your business went under. Exactly. You know, you have your tax returns for 10 years. It's just ridiculous. So the, that's the bad news is it's hard. The good news is there are other ways of getting financing that are not through the traditional banking system. Oh, okay. So, for example, there are hedge funds. There are mm -hmm. wealthy individuals. There's a lot of people with a lot of money out there wanting to earn higher returns than the 0% they're getting on CDs and money market funds. These days. Right. There's a reason Shark Tank is a very popular TV exactly. show. Exactly. So they're willing to invest to get higher returns and take some risk. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, the, the new thing is there are these clearinghouses that'll help you, the small business person, connect to this kind of new pool of money out there. And my mm -hmm. favorite one is called Corporate Lending Solutions. And their website is corporatelendingsolutions.com. And mm -hmm. what they do is they, first of all, interview you, the small business person, about what you want, what you need, what you can qualify for, your history and sales, you know, all the things about you. And they say, okay, based on what you are, I'm going to go out and reach out to the people that I think would be interested in lending to you. Okay. And they have a whole network all over the country of different people looking for different kinds of projects, and mm -hmm. they will connect you. Now, they typically don't do absolute startups where you're just at the very, very beginning. But once right. you get you're saying, I've got this great idea. It's no, yeah, you have to have already been. But, but once you've got some traction, you've got some sales, you have some business plans, you know, you're kind of showing that you're legitimate. Uh, there is a lot more money out there than you, you probably thought ever could be. So, again, there's a website, Corporate Lending Solutions, that can get you money that you might not ever think is possible. It's not just your local bank you have to go to these days. Okay. Is there, you know, it, 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 some people think, oh, well, if I'm looking for a business loan and I'm, you know, a small business, I have to be asking for hundreds of thousands no, of dollars. No. I mean, in, in fact, there are smaller places now. I mean, one of the new uh, methods of raising money is crowdfunding. Uh, now, ah. There was a law passed in 2012 called the Jobs mm -hmm. Act, and it's taken the SEC about four years to kind of get its way through it. But in 2016, they finally promulgated the rules, mm -hmm. and now there are these ways that you can raise money um, on these crowdfunding platforms. Uh, mm -hmm. One I've worked with particularly is called dreamfunded.com, dreamfunded.com, okay. um, and these platforms have to be approved by the SEC. They're one of five that have done so. So typically the maximum they're going to raise is $100,000, not much at all. Oh, okay. Okay, and so what they do is they do a vetting of you, and mm -hmm. they put you up on their website, explain what you do, and then people can invest in that over this crowdfunding platform like $100 at a time or something, oh. $1,000, small amounts mm -hmm. of money. Uh, obviously, it's a higher risk kind of thing, but it's, it's allowing the average individual to invest in small business and in, in past would have been just completely impossible. The two of them couldn't really connect 
over the over these crowdfunding platforms. Mm -hmm. uh, Kickstarter is another one you might have heard of. Uh, right. Indiegogo, mm -hmm. those are some of the big ones. Uh, mm -hmm. But this is a new way for investors to be attracted to small businesses and small businesses to raise money. And people can raise hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions, right. in, in these things. Mm -hmm. So it, it's a wonderful new way. And, and it was empowered by this Jobs Act, which is now kind of fully implemented. Right. So those are funding yeah. ways to get, get, get it done. And I'm assuming that, you know, no matter what, you have to have your ducks in a row. So you you yes. have, a, you know, a marketing plan, a business plan, all of those various things, because nobody's just going to throw money at right. you. No, no, you know, it's not like specific. great Aunt Martha dies yeah. and gives you money. No, no, no. These are investors. They want to know that they're going to, you know, it's not 100% guarantee, obviously. But they they want to know that there's a pretty good chance they're going to get their money and back. as an investor, you know, you want to invest in 15 of them and hope one of them hits it big, basically. I mean, right. It is high risk. But if you, yeah, the business has to show why it's got a market share, why it's got something that's unique from its competitors. How uh, the management has experience in doing this. You know, they, a typical thing. It's kind of like Shark Tank online, I guess you might say. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a it's a great way both to invest and to raise money. So th those are, that's kind of on the uh, both. The, we talked about the, the um, debt side, and that's kind of on the equity side. And mm -hmm. I find a lot of businesses once they get going sometimes expand too fast and take on too much debt. This is a big right. problem with businesses mm -hmm. today is they are piled under debt, just like a lot of individuals have mm -hmm. too much credit card debt and mortgage debt and student loan debt and all the debts that are out there. Mm -hmm. uh, businesses can be piled under in debt as well. And what happens is you're running the business. Instead of running the business, you're spending your time dealing with creditors calling you mm -hmm. and writing you nasty letters and all that. That is right. no way to run a business, okay, to be mm -hmm. hounded by creditors. So that's the bad news. The good news is there's a way out of that, which is called debt prioritization. So mm. you have different creditors um, with different priority or, or kind of leverage over you. The electric mm -hmm. utility that could turn off your lights tomorrow has a lot of leverage. Okay, You really right. want to keep mm -hmm. your lights on. Some lawyer that wrote a contract five years ago that you haven't even implemented has no leverage over you. Okay, mm -hmm. So the idea, see, what most people do as businesses, they just respond to the squeaky wheel and whoever right. bug, bugs them the most, they get paid. Yeah, this person just called and yelled at them, so they write them a little <laughs> exactly. check. That's not the way to do it, okay? So there are companies that do that uh, and, and actually can help you get all these business debts under control. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a website for them, which is helpwithpayables.com, and they've got a very sophisticated system. They look at all of your debts, all the creditors mm -hmm. you have, and then they rank them based on the leverage they have over your business. They prioritize them. And so mm -hmm. the utility that's going to turn your lights off tomorrow may be priority one. Uh, that lawyer we talked about may be priority 10, and in between, one to 10 are all these other ones. And uh, then they say, okay, this is the, the weight these creditors have. They make offers to those creditors based on the amount of leverage they have. Okay. And they say, Okay, you, Mr. Lawyer from five years ago, you know, I'll give you ten cents on the dollar if you wait three years. You know, the utility, okay. I'm going to give you seventy-five cents on the dollar if you wait a month. You know, the mm -hmm. more leverage they have, the better deal they get. And then right. the creditors agree to these deals. They say, "All right, I'm willing to take fifty cents on the dollar if I'm waiting a year." That kind of thing. And then mm -hmm. the payments go through them. Um, and so you just make one payment a month to this company, which is called Corporate Turnaround, and then mm -hmm. they pay the creditors, and you can concentrate on running your business instead of running from creditors all the time. Right. Um, so you know that you know maybe you need to give them $1,000 a month, right. 
And and so you send that to them, and then they are the ones that are responsible for paying the, the negotiated bill. And dealing with the creditors. So if the creditor mm -hmm. calls and I want my money, I don't deal with it. Go to these guys, and they'll right. deal with it. So it, it yeah, you promised me you'd do this. Correct. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of like, think of it as like credit counseling for individual, that individuals normally have for right. businesses. Um, mm -hmm. So again, that website, helpwithpayables.com, has helped tens of thousands mm -hmm. of businesses. Last time I talked to them, they said about 75% of the businesses that they work with, they end up saving. And nice. most of these would never survive because they're just being pounded all the time by creditors. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, there's a resource that can help people if you just have too right. much debt. Well, and you know, as when you start up, you know, unless you did have great Aunt Martha who left you, you know, a, a lot of money, you probably do get yourself in debt. You know, right. and you have to buy equipment. You know, you your your PC needs replaced. You have you know all these various things, and then if you don't start selling your product or your service right away, that debt really can you start spiraling back at you. Now, I'm going right. to warn against something, Deb. There's something in this field which I'm very negative on which is mm -hmm. what's called merchant cash advances. You may have seen this. Ah, so merchant no, cash advances is where they'll come in and they'll make an unsecured loan to you like in the next day. They'll do it very fast. Mm -hmm. And in mm -hmm. return, they get control of your credit card receivables. Um, and say it's a restaurant or something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, they take a piece of your credit card receivables every day. And the effective interest rates can be 30, 40, 50%. Holy cow. Um, so uh, there's a lot of businesses that get stuck mm -hmm. with that all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and they get money fast, but now they're kind of on this endless treadmill uh, right. to try to keep up. And what happens is the interest rates are so high, uh, and they're due in like two weeks or something, then when it comes up, they can't get out of it, so they take another one. So they just keep stacking one debt after another. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of small businesses that have been buried by these merchant cash advance companies. So I would stay far away from them. I mm -hmm. think it was like the payday lending of small businesses. Think of it that right. way. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So you might have heard about, I mean, a lot of small businesses get mailings from them all the time. You'll get cold calls. You know, mm -hmm. you need $10,000 tomorrow. You know, we can do it right on the phone right now. And that's right. a clear sign uh, that you're asking for trouble. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I would avoid the merchant catch advances. And the help with payables is a much better way to deal with it. Right. Well, and, you know, no matter what source you're using, check them out, folks. Yeah. You know, make sure that, you know, look at their BBB listings, you know, all of these various things. Because, you know, the, people can do really good, really slick commercials or yeah. phone calls or emails or, you know, even Facebook or posts. Or have a nice website or something, right? Right, but right. You know, so make sure. You know, these that, have been growing for a while. Ever since the bank lending situation got very tight, these merchant gas advanced companies have grown up in the last five years or so. So... There are mm -hmm. some complaints about them, probably not as many as they should be, because people never want to admit they've been taken, right? Right. Uh, but mm -hmm. there are, you're starting to see some stories about uh, getting on this treadmill, and you know, they took away my credit card receivables, and now I'm left with nothing, and I've got these huge mm -hmm. debts and so on. So that's something I would be careful about. So, right. so we've talked about the debt side. I'd like to talk briefly about the the income side and what you with right. your money. You've you've got money now. What now? What right? So a lot of uh, businesses that are successful have really good cash flow and good money, but their money's sitting there in the bank earning literally nothing for them. Nothing. Mm -hmm. Okay. That is not good. You can have that money no. earning something for you mm -hmm. quite safely uh, and not have to take what the bank is offering, which is zero basically. Mm -hmm. Now I'll tell you, this is a, a, a way that you can actually help other small businesses while you're earning a decent yield yourself with minimal risk. It's called commercial 
real estate income funds. And what they do is they lend money to high quality commercial businesses that use it to renovate uh, some kind of commercial property. It could be an apartment building, a shopping center, a medical office, senior housing, it could be all kinds of different things. And again, because it's hard for them to get loans from banks to do these kind of renovations, they go to funds like this and get their funding. Now you as the mm -hmm. uh, owner of cash get 8% over one oh. year, 8% with mm -hmm. monthly checks mm -hmm. at the end of the minimum hold time is 18 months. But after that, you can get your money back anytime you like. And mm -hmm. there are no commissions of any kind. Uh, and, and so you, you give them a hundred thousand, you get 8,000. I mean, you get 8% of the full amount of your money, no asset management fees, commissions or anything like that. A website for that is commercial real estate income funds.com uh, they've got a phone number too, 888-444-2102 uh, the people have been doing this for like 35 years behind this very very uh, long experience and not only do you get the eight percent but when the project is sold you as the fund shareholder get a piece of the profits another two percent oh. so they do quarterly what's called profit sharing where you mm -hmm. get a piece of the profit and so you and this is something within your company Instead of having all this money sitting there earning nothing, you're now earning eight to ten percent, which is a lot better. Right. Uh, you know, and you can do it as an individual. You can do it in an IRA as well. I'll just give an mm -hmm. example, Deb, if this might be helpful. What the kind of project that was? Sure. There was one recently where the guy had a big house uh, in a college town. I think it was in mm -hmm. Boulder, actually, and he was renting it out to two students, mm -hmm. and everything was fine. But he said, "Well, I want to reconfigure this house," so he got a loan from the fund did a huge construction project and reconfigured the same house. So a year later he could rent it to four students. Okay. So he doubled. So he doubled his income and he has four doors, four bathrooms, four kitchens, mm -hmm. completely had to redo the house. The local bank wouldn't touch him. So he right. got a that's, a, that's a pretty fund. risky thing to invest in. Yeah. And the, he got a loan from this fund and then the house is now worth double what it was because the cash flow is double what it was right. a year ago. Right. And then he sold the house to an investor and part of the profit for selling the house went back to the fund shareholders. Nice. So it always is done for some economically justifiable reason. Uh, so you're, you as the investor is helping him realize that profit potential. And mm -hmm. you get a piece of the profit on the back end for being completely passive. Right. So how about that? And I'll just give you another example. There's a guy that had a big house that one elderly person was living in. Um, they bought the house, completely renovated it into an assisted living house. And now okay. there are six people in there, with like a nurse's station or something, and paid mm -hmm. by Medicare and Medicaid or whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the income went up by six times from what it was before. Right. And again, it was the banks don't understand these kind of things; they wouldn't get a loan anywhere, so they did. So you get the idea. Is they're they're helping small businesses achieve uh, growth and and uh, higher cash flow from properties that otherwise isn't going to happen. So mm -hmm. there's a way that can help a lot of people, both as individuals and as businesses to make your money earn 8% instead of zero, which is what you're going to get in the banks these days. And again, that website, Commercial Real Estate Income Funds, or 888-444-2102. It, it kills me when I see these businesses with the money sitting there earning nothing, when right. they could be earning quite a safe 8%. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and again, nothing's guaranteed. Correct. You know, we'll have our the little disclaimer. But, you know, when it has been properly vetted, the the risk goes down substantially. Dramatically. And, and it diversified. In other words, this fund is diversified geographically. They right. may have 30 or 40 different projects all over the country. 
and it's diversified by property type. So within the fund, mm -hmm. they'll have, like we just talked about, a student loan, assisted living, a medical building, an apartment building, mm -hmm. a shopping center, you know, diversified by property type all over the place. Mm -hmm. um, and the people that they deal with have dealt with them for many years. So they're reliable developers and people who are you know, doing this because it makes economic sense. So that's why the default rate is very, very, very low because mm -hmm. they're in this to improve their buildings, not lose their buildings. And the maximum right. that they lend is 70% of the value of the property. So the developer mm -hmm. always has 30%, at least 30%, what I call skin in the game, uh, mm -hmm. make sure. So that, that's why the default rate is so low on something like that. Right. Well, now speaking of property, there's a lot of businesses that have taken out mortgages, right. you know, whether you know, they're a brick and mortar place. So, you know, they, you know, it's a restaurant, it's, um, you know, a bookstore, it's something, and, you know, they, they either took over a property or they built how can they you know, pay off those loans more quickly than the way they may have originally been set up? So this is something you'll never hear about from a bank, but you go to the Deb show to find out about it, which is called Yay. Mortgage Equity Optimization. That's the strategy. And okay. literally, this is either as an individual with your own home or as a business paying off your commercial mortgage, uh, you can mm -hmm. literally pay off a 30-year mortgage in about five to seven years on your existing level of income. Okay. This wow. is, people think that's impossible, but it actually works. You, you mentioned my books. One of my books uh, is called Master Your Debt. And mm -hmm. in there, I have a chapter called Mortgage Free in Five to Seven Years. And that's kind of how it goes into more detail about it. So let me just give you the, the basic principle. And there is a website to find out more about this as well, which is called truthinequity.com. Okay. So here's how it works. And I'm just giving you a very simplified example, but you, you'll get the mm -hmm. idea here. See, with a traditional 30-year mortgage, either individual or corporate mortgage, um, you pay 30 years, the same amount, all the interest is front and loaded, right? The first mm -hmm. 15 years, you'll pay maybe 10% principal, on all right. interest. And then if you refinance the loan, you start the interest clock. You start years. over. <laughs> right. This works very well for the banks, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, and meanwhile, you keep your money, your paycheck or your corporate cash in a checking account earning zero, Right. So this is right. why the whole system now works extremely well for banks. People give them their money for free, and they pay interest on mortgages forever, basically. Mm -hmm. So here's the way you're kind of turning the whole system on its head and making things work for you instead of the bank. You use a home equity line of credit, or you can do okay. this with a corporate line of credit as well. Mm -hmm. You keep your income in that home equity line of credit. Every day you push the balance down a little bit. HELOCs are based on what's called average daily balance, how much you owe okay. today. So say you had $1,000 that would normally be sitting in your checking account, and say you owed $50,000 in your HELOC, you put it in, now instead of owing fifty, you owe $49,000. Mm -hmm. So you're paying interest on less principal because the money just pushed down your balance. You see what I mean? So mm -hmm. every month you get more and more income moving into that HELOC. You're pushing the balance down at an accelerating rate and you end up paying the HELOC off, and then you do another check from the HELOC towards the first, and you pay that down. And depending on how the numbers work out, in five, six years, you are completely mortgage-free, um, and you, your business just had a huge jump in income because you don't have the mortgage to pay anymore. Mm -hmm. So when you go to that website, truthinequity.com, it's a free website, you fill in the numbers that apply to your situation. Here's my uh, income, here's my expenses, here's the value of the, the property, with the mortgages, they say, okay, based on what you are doing today, it's going to take you 28 and a half years to pay off the mortgage. Right. Based on the numbers you just gave us, 
it's going to be 6.2 years to pay it off or whatever it's going to be. It's like, mm-hmm. wow, well, that's good. I just saved you 25 years off your mortgage and tens of thousands of dollars in interest, needless interest. Right. That's a good thing. And this is why you'll never hear about this from a bank. because <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, that's because that's where banks and mortgage lenders make their money is the interest. Correct. Front-end loaded interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I remember the first time I bought a house and you know, I was was doing my due diligence, and I read through everything, and I came across the line that talked about how much interest we would oh, be paying, yeah. and I was like, ah! and not only that, but you're going to see an amortization table mm-hmm. further back and say each month, here's how much that payment is going to its interest and principal, and right. it's pathetic how little goes to to principal in the first mm-hmm. few years, and right. then you know you've been paying it for 15 years, and after that, oh, rates have dropped. I've seen this a lot of times. People who are mm-hmm. 55 and 60 say, oh, I've got to grab this lower rate and this lower payment. This is going to be a great thing. I say, great. Mm-hmm. So you're going to pay this off when you're 90, right? It's like, oh, but I got a lower payment. It's like, uh-huh. no, you just started the clock all over again. All the interest right. you've been paying in the last 20 years, mm-hmm. you just threw away. Basically. Mm-hmm. So it's a revelation to a lot of people, but it's on your existing level of income, either individual mm-hmm. uh, or corporate income. You're just right. using your money to work for you instead mm-hmm. of the bank. That's a completely right. unique idea that no people have ever heard about before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and 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 it's much better than you know putting it in the the mattress and just keeping it there. Well, which is in fact what you're doing, having your mm-hmm. money in a checking account earning zero, either right. an individual or corporate checking account, because mm-hmm. um, you are. And and with what's happening lately, I think it's going to stay that way for a long, long time. That basically you're going to earn mm-hmm. nothing in uh, CDs and money market funds and savings accounts and checking accounts. You know, it, it works well for the bank because, in fact, you're giving them your money for free, right. which they then lend out and make money on. But with this mm-hmm. system, your money every day is pushing your HELOC balance down a little bit, and mm-hmm. you're making more and more progress. I mean, I've told thousands of people this. It's, it's changed a lot of lives. And think of mm-hmm. it in the commercial sense, okay? Mm-hmm. Say you had a rental property, and you did a HELOC on your rental property. Your tenants mm-hmm. are paying your mortgage off. Right. In five years instead of 30 years. And after mm-hmm. that, all the rental income it's is profit. completely free and clear. Isn't that a wonderful mm-hmm. thing? Right. What a difference that and, will make in people's lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, of course, the important thing is to, to then reinvest and, and just keep oh, that growing. And you take that cash flow, buy another property. Do it mm-hmm. again. Build a whole portfolio of properties that way. Right. So it's it's freeing up the money in a way that just is – now, this is a kind of a popular thing in, in uh, New Zealand and Australia and Hong Kong. It's been in America for maybe five or six years. Um, mm-hmm. It's not that well known because the banks have no interest whatsoever. In right? Yeah, they don't. They don't want to tell you you can save money. No. <laughs> no. You know, and and we're not knocking banks. They are in business to make money. And they're very good <laughs> at it, actually. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I want them to make a little bit less. I'm for the small business owner and for the consumer instead of right. bank. the banks have just taken care of just fine. I don't have to worry about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're going to continue to make their money. You can imagine the difference it's going to make in your life, either as an individual or as a company, if you had paid your mortgage off in five years instead of right. 30 years. 25 mm-hmm. years of not having mortgage payments um, and having that cash flow work for you as an individual in your right. retirement accounts. Mm-hmm. Right, We're going to live a long time in retirement, which is mm-hmm. nice, but who's paying for it here? Mm-hmm. Or as a business, having that cash flow work for you and not to be paying on a commercial mortgage. And having that allow you to expand and have new products and just make the business much stronger. So mm-hmm. it's a tremendous thing that can help an awful lot of folks. Right. So what other tips do you have for people who have, you know, some, some discretionary funds, you know, as a business, what else can they do with that money? 
Well, one area is insurance, is, is life insurance, because uh, if, if something goes wrong with your business, uh, it can be very, very detrimental to you. So you want to get what's called key man insurance. Right. Um, and you, as a business owner, may be the key man, or it may be somebody in your company, because uh, mm -hmm. if something goes wrong with you, you don't want the whole business to go down the drain. Right. And so it's relatively cheap, but it's a good idea to have something like that, mm -hmm. is, is what's called key man insurance. Um, mm -hmm. And it's again, not only you, it could be your top salesperson, could be your chief financial officer, whatever it may be. Because mm -hmm. if something happens to them, then you want to be able to have the money to replace them, to train somebody and not have the business be terribly harmed by that, you know, which what right. happens all the time. Uh, so that's, you know, key man insurance. Also, you want to set up what's called a buy-sell agreement, which gives you the right and ability to sell the business to somebody else mm -hmm. in a... In a um, kind of rational way. You don't have a mm -hmm. forced sale. Uh, it's like, I'm 75, I can't do this anymore. I'll sell it for anything. Mm -hmm. You, you want to sell the business over time so that you're maintaining most of the value of it, Okay, right. which a lot of people don't think of in advance. I mean, the best thing, say you have like a dental practice or something. You don't just like walk out the door and like, you've got to kind of introduce the patients, the new dentist, and it's a whole uh -huh. transition right. system, right? Mm -hmm. It's true with any business. You, you want the new uh, uh, owners to meet the customers and the vendors. It's, a, it's like an ecosystem. You have to kind of mm -hmm. ease them into it. And this does not happen instantly. <laughs> okay. Right. So a buy-sell agreement allows you over time to kind of move the business out to somebody else um, so that there's a good and the, the business retains its value. I see all the time mm -hmm. kind of forced sales. People haven't really thought about this. And all you've built up over all these years all of a sudden just disappears. Mm -hmm. Not a good. Well, right. And, you know, along those same lines, it's very important to have plans in place if there, say, there's three family members who are part of this. You know, what happens, you know, again, key man insurance is, is very important, but, you know, do the, say, there, again, three family members, they've got this business, one person dies. Do the other two buy out the person? Right. You know, all those various things. And, you know, we see that happen time and time again, where the, the widow, the widower, the children, the whoever, you know, and grant, you know, granted, we see them on, you know, like fancy TV shows and they're making it very dramatic, but it does happen, you know, where yeah. they're, you know, all of a sudden they're in charge well, also, or they think they're in charge. Three kids. One mm -hmm. kid is interested in the business and the other two couldn't care less. They want to be a right. poet or, you know, musicians. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how do you work all those kind of things out? This is an area I'm actually very much involved in. Uh, there's something I'm involved in, which is called the Wealth and Values Initiative, which oh. is uh, New York-based, but it's a national movement. It's all mm -hmm. about the intergenerational transfer of wealth. Uh, the guy who founded it uh, was actually the son of the major interior decorator in Detroit mm -hmm. who uh, kind of took care of all the houses of all the the car magnates in various ways. Oh, okay. So he's a multi-million dollar business. Mm -hmm. But when it came to the kids, they weren't really interested in that. And right. the thing just basically fell apart, even having this huge business. So Jeremiah mm -hmm. is his name, Jeremiah Schnee, uh, saw that as his mission in life is to mm -hmm. help other businesses um, transfer to the next generation in a right. long tail where the person's trained and it's all, mm -hmm. you, you have like a family compact and, and you take care of the people who are not interested in the business and some of them are. Mm -hmm. And actually I was part of this whole program a year ago, uh, which did it in America and it did it in China. And mm -hmm. in China, mm -hmm. all of the uh, entrepreneurs are young. 
I mean, right. under Mao, you didn't, you weren't an entrepreneur. You'd be sent off mm -hmm. to the village. Yeah, you you worked for Mao. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All of the wealth, the tremendous wealth that's been created in China, has basically happened since about 1980 or even 1990, something like that. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> so this whole idea of intergenerational wealth transfer is brand new to them because they haven't had the wealth to transfer, <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. but now they do. So for example, there's something called the Pitcairn Trust. And part of this program was meeting these guys. The original Pitcairn came over in the 1840s um, mm -hmm. and he founded what ended up becoming PPG Industries, Pittsburgh Plate and Glass. And he provided all the glass to all the buildings, oh, Rockefeller okay. and J.P. Morgan and Vanderbilt. He was like in that kind of crowd, you know. Mm -hmm. And now they've got, um, I think they're on what they call it uh, G7, the seventh mm -hmm. generation of Pitkins. Oh, okay. Wow. And they've got a the whole system that they've set up to mm -hmm. get the young kids involved early and have these family councils. You know, at this point, there's like a thousand people <laughs> because it's been mm -hmm. going on for so many years. Uh, another one who was in that group was DuPont. The original ah, right. Pierre DuPont came mm -hmm. over from France uh, in, I think, 1802, and he was in the gunpowder business. Mm -hmm. And that eventually became the chemical business, and he merged with Demours and so on. I mean, all these stories, but they, they're like G8 at this point. Oh. Mm -hmm. but I learned during doing all this stuff that about 50% of businesses, small businesses, never make it from generation one to generation two. Mm -hmm. And then another 30% drop off between generation two and generation three. And mm -hmm. only about 5% of businesses ever continue beyond generation three in the original family where it started off. Right. And it's because they don't have the system set up to do mm -hmm. this kind of intergenerational uh, wealth transfer. So it's an area I'm particularly interested in. And mm -hmm. you might not be thinking about this when you're starting your business, but if it's successful, uh, you want to kind of think of what, what the next step is going to be. You don't want to be like, you know, an 80-year-old, you're on your deathbed, and that's when you start thinking about these guys. Right. Well, and, you know, in many ways, your business was probably your passion. Right. And you don't want it to just go, you know, and, and fade into nothingness. Or, you know, you certainly don't want your heirs to be quibbling and squabbling and suing each other and all Which those things. So all the time. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, take care of it in advance and more importantly, communicate it to them to say, okay, son Bobby is going to buy out sister Sue right. and here's how this is going to work. But often um, they, you know, they battle or the kids, don't, none of the kids want to get involved. I found that in China, right. we, we met mm -hmm. not only the, the, the children, but we met some of the parents too. And in China, the, the business of the parents tend to be very kind of prosaic, you know, a steel business right. or one guy mm -hmm. made garbage bags or mm -hmm. one guy ran the water municipal system in, in Beijing mm -hmm. or something like that. The kids all want to do apps and new websites. <laughs> right. They didn't want to run their father's garbage bag mm -hmm. business, you know? Mm -hmm. So what do you do? Uh, what do you do when you pass these things on? Right. It's a major right. issue for them. So yeah. and, and part of that is, okay, say none of the kids want to do it, then how do you sell off the assets? How do you close that business? Right. You know, all of those various things. The, the key thing is to maintain the value of the business. Right. So there's something to sell. And so you maximize mm -hmm. the value of it. Yeah. You don't want somebody coming in and saying, well, you know, I'm only going to give you 10 cents on the dollar because, you know. We, when you're gone, this, it's, this it's, it's worthless. Mm -hmm. That's correct. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I deal with a lot of dentists who actually have the same problem. Is they they mm -hmm. built up a practice over many, many years. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, they, you know, they just can't take it anymore and they want to retire. Well, mm -hmm. you, you've got to bring somebody in and train them and get them to meet all the, the patients. It's a whole process that a lot of people don't think about until it's too late. So hopefully mm -hmm. that will help some folks as well. 
You know, and, and Jordan, I'm on your website, which is moneyanswers.com. Yeah. You've got tons of great resources here, and I'm actually looking on the FAQ page. Okay. Um, you know, and, and there's some some fun things. We've got you know several minutes left. What if everything has gone wrong and you have to declare bankruptcy? Yeah. What are some steps that a business should take? Because you know, hopefully, you want to come out of it you know, in, in at least somewhat good financial standing, maybe start another business. But, you know, what happens when things go south? Well, the main thing is you want to keep it separate from your personal finances. Right. You don't want to lose your own house and your car Which because do. you did this. I mean, in many cases, mm -hmm. we talked earlier about banks making hard right. loans. One thing that banks in many cases will require is a personal guarantee. Right. Uh, so that means you are putting your personal assets on the line. Mm -hmm. And if your business goes under, that's why they do it. Because <laughs> if the business right. goes under... They want to have something then they can out. sell your house or whatever. Right. So if you can avoid personal guarantees, that would be a, a, a good thing. So keep the business as much separate from your personal finances uh, as possible and, and mm -hmm. keep as good relations as you can. Because as we talked about before, it's all about relationships. You don't want to burn bridges. You know, you just do the best you can. I mean, there's lots of businesses failing all the time. So right. do it in as graceful a way as possible and don't kind of burn people left and right because... Mm -hmm. it's, it's going to be people remember that it's going to be on your credit report as well. right um and and you also want to be monitoring your your business credit report which is a Brad mm -hmm. street report and if your business goes under you're going to see how fast that's going to go down so right you just don't want it to drag down your personal life when your business mm -hmm. goes down mm -hmm. you know and and that is so true because you know maybe you decide to go back into corporate america and they run a credit check on you right <laughs> and you know, and and again, it's just a matter of taking the appropriate steps. It is, and and uh, you're right. People shift back and forth between corporate America and starting their own businesses. Uh, but they're gonna, a, a bank is going to take a look at your credit record, your business credit record, right? And it's going to be really, really hard uh, to do that. I mean, uh, that another way you can do these things is is peer-to-peer uh, -peer lending, mm -hmm. where more and more okay. they're not only lending to individuals, but they're lending to small businesses. Uh, mm -hmm. The two big ones are called Lending Club and Prosper. Those are the two. Oh. And mm -hmm. so you go to Lending Club, and they have a whole small business division now. And basically, you put that loan up there. It tells everything about what business you're in, your level of experience, your credit record, all those kind of things. And people can mm -hmm. invest in your small business, in effect. It's, it's kind of another version of crowdfunding. Uh, right. But it's called peer-to-peer -peer, uh, lending. And the same thing with mm -hmm. Prosper as well. So mm -hmm. if you go down... That's going to show up on your report really easily and say, boy, right. he didn't make it last time. Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to, your, your score will go down and what you have to pay for interest is going to go up dramatically. So, mm -hmm. you know, you really want to minimize that. But before you get to the bankruptcy, I would use something like we talked, uh, the helpwithpayables.com. Right. Because they've mm -hmm. saved many, many businesses that in the past you, you thought there'd be nowhere to save them. If you can get the debt under control by prioritizing the creditors, uh, and then you can kind of get on your feet again, that may be a good solution for a lot of folks. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and we talked about the fact that, you know, make sure that you have researched the organizations, you know, and and, and it's it's definitely the adage, if it's too good to be true, it, you know, it, that when those little warning signals go off with, you know, they're saying, hey, they're going to guarantee me 25% return, right. ah, you know, or we're, we're going to give you $10,000 immediately. No, you know, they can't do There's that. There's a catch and, to it. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, you are going to pay those high interest rates or you put your car up as collateral or your house or, or things like that. So, you know, just check these things out because, you know, 
as you said, there are so many great resources out there to try and, and solve those problems as opposed to creating more. So what we just talked about this last hour, this has really been a lot of fun, is there are ways of getting uh, borrowing, like we talked about corporate lending solutions that you don't have to rely mm -hmm. on local banks. There are ways of prioritizing your debts, like this helpwithpayables.com, so you don't have to be crushed by creditors. The ways right. of making your money earn 8% safely, like these commercial real estate income funds we talked about. Mm -hmm. There are ways of paying your mortgage off in five to seven years instead of 30 years on your existing level of income mm -hmm. at truthandequity.com. We've just talked about a lot of things here. And these are resources, for the most part, people don't know about. So I, right. I hope we brought a lot of value to your listeners in this hour. You know, and I, it's definitely been very beneficial to me. So, you know, that's the most important yes. thing. Um, but, but, you know, it is something that, especially an, an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a small business owner, they don't think about this. They think, well, the only way I can finance it is through my credit cards or, you know, all these various things. And it's so cool that there are all of these options out there. there. And a lot of it's because of the Internet. I mean, right. uh, crowdfunding couldn't exist without the Internet. It, right. it, it allows people to get together and meet each other in ways that just wouldn't have been possible without that. So it's really right. revolutionized finance. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's a whole world of what's called fintech, financial technology companies, that right. are doing, like we mentioned, Lending Club and Prosper mm -hmm. and all those other ones. Mm -hmm. There are ways through online kind of meetups that just wouldn't happen in, in, in person these days. So it's a very, right. I, I mean, I want to leave here with a very positive uh, kind of, sense that if you have a good business, good idea, you can execute it. Financing is available. You can use, we talked about using leverage as a way of improving yourself. If you do it right, this is the best time to start a business, I would say. Perfect. Well, Jordan, we've got just a minute left. So tell people how they find and connect with you sure. online. So my website again is moneyanswers.com. I've got lots of links and videos, uh, all kinds of things. And I love to take uh, listener emails as well. So there's a little Ask Jordan button. Uh, we've talked about a lot of things here and I'm glad to follow up, but I call people back and email them and just keep growing my uh, web of karma, I guess you might say. Right. You know, as you mentioned, we're all connected. How we can help each other is the, the best thing that we can possibly Absolutely. do. And, and that, the web, it really allows people to do that. And that's my site, moneyanswers.com. So I've really enjoyed being on the show and I feel I'm part of the Mile High uh, fan club right now. You are, you are. And, you know, everybody, please check out Jordan's website because there is so many great resources there that I think you'll definitely find it beneficial. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much, Deb. Appreciate it. Great. Thank you, Jordan. Um, I am Deb Creer. I've been having a great time talking with Jordan Goodman. And until next week, everyone have a great time. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>